eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fence Sider with the PH. Ahoy, ahoy. Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the Fence Sider Radio Podcast. My name is Keith. I'll be your host until. 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Tonight, we'll finish up our AFC East roundup with a look at the Buffalo Bills. Gary Smith of AFC East Brothers will stop by to talk a little bit about them. Uh, Gary's brother, Kyle, was on the show last week to talk about the New York Chest. They're both good dudes. Glad to have them on the podcast. We'll continue our look at the uh, upcoming 2016 NFL Draft. That's three weeks from tonight. I haven't noticed any surging draft movements on Twitter this week. Uh, which is surprising. Last week was Raglan fever. We mentioned that on the show. This week was far more subdued. We'll also discuss what has transpired thus far in the uh, Finsider Writer mock draft extravaganza that we have going on right now. We were randomly assigned draft picks, all of us, the guys on the site, and yours truly <clears throat> wound up with lucky number 13. If you uh, piss me off, I'll take Connor Cook or a punter. Uh, Duke this afternoon traded away the number three pick for a hefty sum. We'll get into all that later. Hopefully he'll be able to uh, join us at some point. And as always, we'll take your calls. 347-326-9461 is our number. Call us and tell us what's on your mind. We'll go ahead and bring you on the show and we'll chat about whatever's going on with you and uh, your thoughts on the Dolphins football. Try to keep it on, on track somewhat. 
Uh, in the meantime, I want to go ahead and introduce my co-host, uh, flanked by uh, the uh, ever unflappable Lewis of Finn Maniacs. Lewis, what's going on? Uh, not much. Got ourselves uh, a lot of stuff to talk about now, with and even more now. So with the uh, whole Stephen Ross and Beal story guy thing. Right, right. It's sort of his insurance insurance plan. Should uh, Ross kick the bucket? I think he turns oh, at seventy six this year. Mm, so now, yes, I believe so. So now he's got this contingency plan. Uh, his uh, his bro with uh, related companies or whatever that that group is called. We'll get more into that. Uh, a couple of things that I do want to uh, get out there right now, just uh, just right off the bat, um, just kind of looming on Twitter the last couple of days. I saw, uh, believe it or not, because, I mean, it's always out there, but I saw a disturbing amount of anti-Ryan uh, <laughs> Tannehill babble on the Twitters this week. And, um, I mean, I don't care. I don't live in the bubble when, when it comes to him. Like, if he sucks, I'll say it. I do think that a lot of the criticism that gets thrown in his way is kind of ridiculous. But um, just after everything I read, I'd like to point out a few things to, to those people um, whom I read on Twitter. Number one, pace yourselves. You have literally five months before that guy does anything worth evaluating. So no need to be like the baby rattlesnakes and just throw out all the venom at once. I mean, give yourself time. You've got all summer to sit there and, and stew about how much you hate this guy or how much you want to trade him. I saw I one guy I follow on Twitter and he's a nice guy and he's he's smart, but he was pining for the Dolphins to trade Ryan Tannehill to the Cleveland Browns. And I I don't know what you expect to get in return for something like that, but I mean who are you going to start in his place? Matt Moore? Are you actually going to draft Connor Cook at that spot? Maybe because of like the whole Adam Gase Michigan State connection or something? I don't know. Uh and the number 2 thing I got off track there for a second. Uh, I saw a bunch of people going nuts over the idea of Adam Gase tying his uh, Dolphins head coaching tenure to Ryan Tannehill. And of course the problem there is Ryan Gase or Ryan Gase, Adam Gase hasn't tied anything to Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill isn't technically Gase's guy. If he continues to struggle this year, Gase can put the wheels in motion to get his guy. For now he gets the in-house wheels and he gets to test drive it before making a long-term decision. And that also applies to the actual front office who needs to be in sync with Adam Gase on all personnel matters, and especially when it comes to the quarterback position, obviously. But if you're going to suggest that uh, Gase is flushing his coaching gig down the toilet by anchoring himself to Tannehill long-term, that's dumb, irrational, and you should be smacked with an alligator for it. <clears throat> if anything, just the way I'm looking at it right now, I think the Dolphins are – let's be honest, they're in an excellent position when it comes to evalu- evaluating their quarterback now that you got Gase in there. If Tannehill can't cut it under the guy who's made it work with really all shapes and sizes of signal callers, you know it's time to move on, and you can afford to do so. And if the opposite happens and you got Tannehill and he shows significant improvement under Gase, then it's a moot point. People can go back to arguing about whether Jay Ajayi is ready to be a feature back or whatever in the hell people are arguing about right now. And uh, so that's my thought. I mean, am I off base here? Am I out of line for, for thinking this? I feel like Adam Gase and the Dolphins really have a good thing going on with how this whole Ryan Tannehill thing is structured. You can give him a year. If you like what you see, go ahead and make him your franchise guy. Because, I mean, when you get down to it, his contract really, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that much like a franchise contract right now. 
considering what some of those guys are getting. So, Lewis, am I off base here? Am I out of line? Um, no, Chances I don't really no. think so. <laughs> okay, the answer is no. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I, I just think, I mean, I it's, aim it's, to leave. you do. Uh, but it's just, it's an obvious situation, I feel like. You're going to have Adam Gase in there. He's going to evaluate him. You either, and then you make a decision, you're either going to roll with this guy long term or you're going to get your guy in there. Ryan Tannehill, uh, Adam Gase might have Ryan Tannehill's back, but Adam Gase didn't draft him. And the guy who did draft Ryan Tannehill tried to get rid of him for Derek Carr from what we've read. So, I mean, at this point, you've got a good situation in place. You can evaluate him. Um, go ahead, figure out what you want to do. If you like what you see, go with it. If you don't, go ahead and uh, try to put the put things in place so you can draft the guy you do want in there. <clears throat> and speaking of the draft, uh, I also want, I mentioned the fact that I didn't see any weird trends on, on Twitter. I kind of lied about that just so for the sake of uh, conversation. Uh, I saw kind of a weird trend today, in the last few days actually, regarding draft, draft pot prospects. I can't really talk. Uh, like Jack Conklin, Leonard Floyd, Reggie Raglan. And that some are suggesting those guys won't be good pros. I saw that come up a couple times. And I call such BS on that. I think Floyd's a wild card with that slight frame. But I have no idea what some people are watching regarding Conklin, who took on just about every player in Nick Saban's pass rush table during the Sugar Bowl and looked like a champ. And the guy continued to mash last, late into the game, uh, despite the fact that Michigan State was way out of it by the third quarter. That game was a beating. And Jack Conklin was still in there taking on all of, I mean, uh, Alabama flips around its pass rushers almost in a freewheeling type, freewheeling type way. And I thought Conklin looked great. He really won me over in that game. So uh, I'm going to use this comparison here. It'll piss off some people, but uh, the similarities are too close to pass up, I think. Uh, two years ago, I saw a lot of people finding ways to poke holes in Zach Martin's draft stock. You know, they were talking about how overrated he is. He's a finesse guy. He's got the T-Rex arms, so on and so forth. And then he goes to Dallas and immediately cements himself as one of the two best guards in the NFL. No big deal. Obviously, the difference here is that I think Conklin can play left tackle at the pro level. Uh, I thought Martin could play uh, left tackle at the pro level, to be fair, too. I thought he had great feet at Notre Dame. He did have short arms, though, whereas Conklin's got 35-inch arms. Those are, those are some limbs that guy's got going on his torso. I'm not saying the guy is Richmond Webb, but I do think he's got the feet. He's got the strength. He's got the technique to be a very good player at the position. He's meaner than a rattlesnake and he's tougher than a $2 steak. I mean, you can disagree with me all you want there, but I think that guy's going to be a player. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy the Dolphins draft, but I've seen some really weird uh, evaluations of him on Twitter. And I don't know what those people are watching. I'm confused. I'm not going to name names here, but there's one guy uh, fairly respected. I know you interact with him a lot on Twitter who has beaten up Conklin considerably the last couple of days. And I, I mean, I don't get it. Maybe it's just because if I'm up here and I'm watching, I mean, I've talked about before. I love big 10 offensive tackles. I'm not saying all of them are great. I think there have been some situations that have been handed down that it didn't work out so well for guys like Gabe Karimi was one of them. Uh, Robert Gallery out of Iowa in 2004. Great guard, but you don't draft guards number two overall like Oakland drafted him. 
So I don't I don't understand it though. And I mentioned Raglan in there too. And I Max was on last week. Max has got the Raglan fever. I think he still does. I haven't really talked to him about the last couple of days. But you're talking about a guy, Raglan, who's unquestionably the leader of that flat out loaded Alabama defensive unit. He's been knocked for shortcomings as a coverage defender, and I agree with those. But I think he's got the athleticism to make it work on third down. I think that's the difference with Raglan and some of the other guys we've seen come out at that in, uh, inside middle linebacker position. He absolutely has the strength and football IQ to club ball carriers to death on first and second down. That's probably my first evaluation I had of that guy. And, I mean, it, there's bias there, too. I like classic middle linebacker, and Raglan's as classic as it gets. That guy's retro. So, I mean, if Miami takes him, consider me a fan. I love the guy. But I get, I get a reading out there where a lot of Dolphins fans aren't big fans of it. What do you think? I are you, Do you want me to talk about Reggie Raglan or Jack Conklin first? You, you can be all-encompassing. You can pick a guy. It doesn't really matter to me. Okay. Well, I guess I'll start with Reggie Raglan. Uh, you mentioned Max and his Raglan fever. Okay. First of all, fever. I'm not to not to uh, dis, dis, not to discount Max or anything, but fevers happen all the time. Every other every other five minutes, it seems like there's DeForest Buckner fever. Then there was in Dem in, in I'm not gonna in Kimmy Kim DJ, the N is silent, right? It okay, is. I'll have to it remember is. that. Okay, I'll have to remember that. So, Kim DJ fever, and then there was Conklin fever and Raglan fever and Jack fever, which I still have, but it's it's something I have to suppress now. And of course, there's the <laughs> Elliot fever. So, it, 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 you we cannot judge things based on ooh, this guy looks really good because then five minutes later you're going to see another guy and you're going to get that fever. That's the problem with draft Twitter as the draft starts to slowly come up. You've already evaluated these guys so many times. You've already looked at these same players like six different times already. It's like, yeah, this guy looks really good. I want him done. And then you look at another guy because you have nothing better to do. And so you wind up having to look at the next guy and then you get, you start lusting after that one. So just speaking specifically for Ragland, um, linebacker is where I've been wanting to go in the draft for a long time now. And Honestly, it's it's weakened, but I'm still holding out for the idea that we need a true true middle linebacker. Kiko Alonso, he could be one, but he's not somebody you would look at and say, yeah, he's a middle linebacker. Some people have him lined up on the outside, so that means that he's if if there are questions about where Kiko Alonso should line up then he's not really a true middle linebacker. He's somebody that can play middle linebacker if he's told to, but I don't really want that. I want somebody I can count on without beyond the shadow of a doubt. This man is a middle linebacker, end of discussion. And that's where Reggie Ragland comes in. Now, since the Dolphins traded down to 13, I wouldn't be opposed to grabbing Ragland, even if it means it'd be a little, a little bit of a quote-unquote reach. But reaches have happened and reaches have um, also panned out in the past. So I don't even care about a reach anymore. Question, question, true or false, will Reggie Ragland help the Dolphins if he plays? The answer is true. Yes, he will. So I'm good with it, and we need a starter right now. We need players that we can look at and say, this guy, when he comes in, he's going to be a plug-and-play, and he's going to immediately make things happen. We can't afford anymore to have players who they're going to sit down for three years and develop. We need to start hitting on these guys and start making and start finding players that can immediately make an impact right from the get-go, not somebody who he could play or he might be able to play in a couple of years or maybe next year he'll be able to play. Like Jalen Smith is somebody you would take 
in the later rounds because he's hurt and he may not play at all. So that's somebody you take, and he could be a big help in the future. But Miami needs playmakers now, and that's where Reggie Ragland would come in. The same goes kind of for Jack, excuse me, for Jack Conklin. He's a left tackle. Miami's going to need a left tackle, especially if Brandon Albert happens to get hurt again. Or maybe the Dolphins will see if they can move Brandon Albert to a contending team that is in need of a veteran tackle who can get the job done. So you have to look – no matter who the Miami Dolphins draft, whether it be Conklin, Raglan, or somebody else altogether, we, the, Miami needs to make sure that it's going to be somebody who can play right away. And I think – I don't remember who said it. I don't know if it was Greer or Tannenbaum or Gase. But they said that whoever they draft at 13 is going to be a starter. Now, I don't know how much, um, how much stock to take in that because, of course, they're going to believe that whoever they pick is going to be a starter because that's what first-round draft picks are for. But – I'm hoping that Miami has a plan in mind that whoever they draft, it's going to be somebody who you don't know. It's not a, it's not a question of maybe. It's not a question of scheme fit. It's somebody that you can say, this is our guy. He's going to be playing here by the time the season starts. Completely agree. You might talk about Conklin, too. I did, well, I did a little bit. I, I said that if, if Conklin turns out to be – Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Uh the reason I bring that up though is I mean, it was strange because I saw just a lot of people and I mean a lot, 10 plus people on Twitter saying, I mean, one guy I actually respect a lot and we've had on the show before. He had something up where he said, if your team drafts Jack Conklin, he mentioned a couple of guys in there too. Like Will Fuller was one of them. He was like, if your team drafts one of those guys, I'm just gonna take it. And I was just like, man, I would love Jack Conklin. So I was confused by that, but he's not the only one. I've seen a lot of people going out of their way this week to point out that they don't like him. I've got the Jack Conklin plague because I mean, it's not going anywhere. It's not a fever where it's going to, I'm going to recover from it in 24 to 48 hours. We're something, we're talking about something a little bit more long-term than that. Uh, Leonard Floyd is the other guy I saw taking a beating this week. And that one, I kind of get, I mentioned he's got that real slender frame. Uh, he's taking a lot of, um, I mean, he's getting a lot of doubters right now. He's getting a lot of questions. It kind of reminds me of like when Jason Taylor kind of came out of Akron. I'm not saying he's Jason Taylor, but Jason Taylor fell to the third round because, I mean, he was 240-some pounds uh, soaking wet. So um, he comes in, he's slender. I mean, he's, he's a guy where, I mean, he's sure as hell not a 4-3 a defensive end. But if you're Miami and you're running that wide nine for the time being, Leonard Floyd is a knockout prospect for the wide nine. I mean, I think you, you have to con- at least consider him, in, opinion, in my opinion. I'd put Shaq Lawson in there, too, for that matter. I mean, as I mentioned I don't love those guys as three, four edge rushers. Uh, but I think they've got the pass rushing gifts uh, that will be unlocked by the right scheme. I just so happen to think Miami has the right scheme for those guys. So uh, ramp mode switched to off. Now uh, we'll bring on a, we're supposed to bring on Gary Smith at eight twenty Eastern. I think he's having some technical difficulties uh, calling in. I hope that we can, we can hear from him because I'd like to wrap up that series with the bills. So uh, we'll see about that. Um, so the, you mentioned it, we'll get right into it. The news came out today. Stephen Ross apparently has a successor in place when he decides if he should kick the bucket, I guess. Um, and, so the names out there, it's Bruce Beal Jr. Uh, one of his guys at real estate, was it real or um, reality or I can't remember the name, reality company, some, some crap like that. 
Matthew Kanata on Twitter pointed out that Bruce Beal Jr. is pretty much Adam Gase's doppelganger. So if this this is the case, every, everything's making a lot of sense right now. It's a lot of people turning out. I think Adam Gase just has one of those faces where you just, no matter where you go, he looks like he works there. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. He's got like that, that sort of, uh, like the receding hairline type thing that you see from some guys. Uh, he, he's got like, he makes some of those, whenever people are able to freeze his facial expressions that he's put out during interviews, he's got like the crazy face going on. I mean, none of that bothers me. Cause I mean, if you just watch him talk, you don't really see that, but when you're able to, to really put a freeze on it, then you get it. So I, a lot of people are looking at this and cheering. I guess they think that, I don't know if they're misinterpreting this as Ross is selling to this guy. Cause that's not the case. I mean, this is this is your parachute, if you will. Well, I don't. Well, are people actually making that bad? Why? I wouldn't imagine people would be happy about that. I figured they'd be even more upset because oh, he sold it to another New York guy or something like that. I don't know. My my Twitter my Twitter feed is lighting up right now with people who are. I saw a lot of uh, woohoo and celebrating. I don't think they're being sarcastic. So I I just wonder because I mean it's not like Jason Lock and Tora put out a ton of information out there about that. They just said like here you go if anything happens to Stephen Ross who turned seventy six this year, uh, this is going to be the guy apparently who runs the team. Well, so, he's the, he's the, in my understanding of it is that he's the guy who will have the first he'll have the first crack at it. If he he he'll be before anybody else can get a chance to buy it, he's going to be Beal who gets to say yes, I want it or no, I don't. If he says no, then it's open market. I think. You saw that um that sort of April Fool's joke come that comes out. I feel like it comes out every year where they said that uh, like Mickey Arison. Yes, everybody. That's what I was saying is that people would be upset over it. It's like it has nothing. To, it's more about the fact that um, that if that Stephen Ross made it so that another New York guy is like, ah, now now Mickey Harrison will never own the the Heat or the Dolphins. It's like okay, guys, we it's like they fell for that last year. They fell for it again this year. And let's be perfectly honest here. Without Pat Riley, how much help? How much? How many championships does Mickey Harrison get? I'm asking that seriously. Mickey Arison is successful because Pat Riley is a genius, not because Mickey Arison is a genius. Mickey Arison is a genius for making Pat Riley what he is. He is in the he put him in that position. He said, "Mr. Riley, here you go." The, just by doing that, he, Mickey Arison is a genius. But that's it. I don't I don't disagree. Pat Riley, uh, a great basketball mind, who's won just about everywhere. So. I wonder if he knows football. Uh, that would be I, the I, only that would be the only way he that the Mickey Harrison thing would make any sense. That Pat Riley says I can do football too, you know. That's not the first time I've seen that comment actually, which is both funny and also kind of depressing. Uh, we talked about this on your show, so we'll just get to that as well. Ifo Ekpre Olamu, which you were pronouncing it correctly. You were worried you you weren't, but you you did. The former, well, the former, go the, he's the former Oregon cornerback. Suffered the significant knee injuries last year at Eugene. Uh, Cleveland caught him this weekend. Chad Ronenbaum on your show brought up a great point of why did Cleveland cut him now? Like, what exactly did you stand to gain by that? 
Um, absolutely nothing. I guess a roster spot, and maybe they're just really that convinced that he's not going to be able to come back and play. But, I mean, if you were really that convinced, I don't see why you wouldn't just, like, put him on injured reserve or something all over again. I mean, he's cheap, he's talented, and you, you can always wait until he's ready. So, Cleveland being Cleveland, huzzah for Miami. And let's not forget that there were like uh, there were there were a few other teams that also passed them up. So it's not like everybody was jumping at the bit to grab them. No, definitely not. Oh, I mean, the, the fact that there was any interest, I guess, is a decent sign. We we were talked about on Tuesday about how apparently he's dunking a basketball game. He's only like five nine, so I don't know if the, that's trying to uh, prove that he's got that explosion back in his legs that his knee isn't holding him up in that regard. I don't know. But I, I still think he's probably a slot corner. I know that a lot of people are like, well, you know, can he play the slot? Is he, you know, can he be a perimeter guy uh, with uh, if he's able to heal up? Like, is he someone potentially that you can play as a boundary type? I don't know. I don't know what kind of plan Vance Joseph has for that guy. But um, you have to figure that more often, or, you know, it's quite likely he ends up in the slot. And I like him there. So. I mean, if he's it's a slot corner, that would be just fine. Now he'll he'll I'm he'll have to compete with Bobby McCain, which is just fine because Bobby is also supposed to be a slot corner. Miami seems to have this thing where they grab a bunch of slot corners and try to turn them into boundary guys. So hopefully Vance Joseph is smart enough to not let that happen again. I got faith in Vance Joseph. Uh, we're actually joined now by uh, Gary Smith, AFC East brothers. Gary, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Keith? How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, we can just actually kick this off because I think this is a question a lot of Dolphins fans are, are wondering about. Just what the hell is going on between Tyrod Taylor and the Buffalo Bills right now? Ooh, interesting question. You know, I think it's mostly Tyrod's agent. Um, he's seen a lot of these quarterbacks, Brock Osweiler, you know, Kirk Cousins just signed a franchise tag. A lot of these guys that don't have a lot of starts underneath their belt are getting big-time money. And he's saying, well, hey, listen, Tyrod Taylor, you know, he had a winning record as a starter. Uh, now's the time for us to cash in, possibly next year. With I don't know if you checked the schedule out. You know, we got Pittsburgh next year, Cincinnati. We've got a rough outing in the NFC West. You know, we're looking at possibly the Dolphins, the Jets, even the Patriots. They all might have losing records next year, given the schedule. And uh, we had a soft schedule last year, our division. So he's thinking, no, you know, we need to cash in right now. It's a smart move by his agent, but the bills aren't biting. Yeah, that, that's my interpretation as well. I just thought saw that you, a lot of the reports came out today that suggested that um, they're far apart on any kind of deal there. And um, it sounds like it's really ground zero uh, with the agent in terms of causing these problems. So, um, I mean, but were you surprised? by his play in 2015 or were you one of those fans who sat around and you're like, we, we knew he was capable of it. Am I shocked? I'm not completely shocked. I, I thought he would do well given the, you know, names like Charles Clay, Sammy Watkins, LaShawn McCoy. He was based around a lot of talent. Um, I, as long as he didn't turn the ball over and he played, you know, he didn't have to have staggering 300 yard games. As long as he didn't turn the ball over, he played well. And Greg Roman has a good track record, you know, offensive coordinator. So I thought he'd be, a, you know, a decent quarterback. He actually surprised me 
and a lot of his progressions. He was able to make, you know, second, third, even fourth reads, and I thought that was big because that's something I always look at quarterbacks, how well they go through the progression. So that's something that surprised me a lot. And also the fact that given his God-given ability as being a very freakish athlete, I mean, you know, reported for in a four four seven, uh, you know, uh, being asked to be switched to a wide receiver coming out of the draft, uh, he actually looked to go down the field a lot in pass ball rather than use his legs. Um, he did use his legs when he needed to, but I, I like that he was a throw first, run second quarterback. Uh, Keith apparently is not here. Hmm, interesting. So uh, you have a point there with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, the, his using his athleticism, I think it really helped him out, and it made him a better quarterback than – I don't know if you would agree with this. Maybe his, using his legs turned him into a better quarterback than he normally would be considered. There's always this idea of quarterbacks who run more, they're more dangerous. It's the dual threat. Part of what makes Cam Newton and Russell Wilson so dangerous is their ability to run, and Tyrod Taylor is taking that – under is probably taking that under consideration. He's running more. Now that's something I wish the Dolphins would do with Ryan Tannehill, but they they'd rather he just sit there and take hits all the time. So I digress. Hopefully Adam Gase is smarter enough to do that. So um, I'm going to ask you a question now, since uh, I'm, it seems that like Keith has disappeared momentarily. What are your <laughs> thoughts? On, oh, is that you, Keith? No, it's not Keith. That was you. Um, sorry about that. <clears throat> I don't know everybody's laughs by memory. <laughs> Well, that's my laugh right there. Okay. Okay. Got it. Oh, I'll, I'll remember that. All right. So um, what are your thoughts on the whole uh, Rex Ryan situation? I mean, do you think you can still get somewhere with him, or is this is this was that a whole experiment that's still going horribly wrong even as we speak? I think you definitely get somewhere with Rex Ryan, especially if you place a talented offensive coordinator along with him. Hey, listen, you know, the defense last year – didn't produce, let's face it, and that's very uncharacteristic of Rex Ryan. And his track record proves otherwise that his defense has a lot of success in the league. Um, you know, a lot of it is personnel, too. You know, I would say it's a 50 50 split between coaching and personnel. And uh, I know you guys are probably happy to have Mario, but he wasn't a fit in Buffalo. And, and you know, there's a lot of fits that, a lot of personnel that we had. Nigel Bradham at inside linebacker wasn't a fit for us. Uh, you know, we miss Aaron Williams, our, our best safety, for a good portion of the year. So I'm I'm curious to see what the Bills will do with Rex Ryan. Greg Roman actually did a tremendous job with the Bills. So I think if Rex can just improve on what the defense was last year, our offense has already proved to be pretty potent. Um, I think we'll have a good recipe for success. The only thing that scares me, like I said, is the schedule. I think that the schedule this year for our division is brutal. Yeah, and um, it's going to be tough for pretty much every team except New England because, you know, New England, that's just how it works. Even New England I think will be tough for. I have to disagree with that. I, you know, and I was getting a pretty passionate argument uh, with a few Patriots fans a couple weeks ago that, oh? you know, Tom Brady's getting to that point where, hey, he's 38, going on 39. Eventually, okay, but let's, be, time, but let's be fair, Gary. How many years have we been saying that? Oh, he's 37. And listen, I hear that. I hear that point. But listen, Tom Brady's not Ponce de Leon. He did not find the sound of youth. Neither, neither did he. So eventually, it's going to catch up to him. And we see now with Tom Brady, he's never been really a downfield quarterback. He doesn't like to chuck it a lot. Once in a while, he keeps the defense honest. 
this year more than ever, I've seen him do so many quick passes. Uh, you know, you could say his wide receiver talent didn't allow him to go downfield, but I don't believe that. I think his arm is starting to wear out. And I said, it might not be this year, might not be even next year, but eventually he will be just another Peyton Manning where his body catches up to to how he's performing. Well, we'll see. Hopefully it's for everybody's sake, Brady eventually disappears. But, I mean, I've, I've been waiting for the so-called uh, downfall for, well, it feels like, five years now. So. I hear, I hear you. And listen, being a, you being a Dolphins fan, me being a Bills fan, I always look at Peyton Manning as a comparison to Tom Brady. Listen, Peyton Manning, when he was 38 years old, he had 55 touchdowns, set all kinds of records. He was the man. Fast forward two years later, even a year later, fast forward a year later, he was a shell of his former, his former self. So I'm hoping the same uh, touch of luck or happens to Tom Brady. <laughs> Father time is undefeated. You got it. That's right. Yeah, but Brady's giving him, like, probably the biggest challenge he's had in a long time. <laughs> he's definitely giving him a run for his money, but like I said, Names, examples like Brett Favre and, and Peyton Manning uh, are good benchmarks to see how Tom Brady is going to perform in his late 30s to 40s. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So um, uh, let me ask you this question. The whole Mario Williams thing. Now, a lot of Dolphins fans were upset, actually, initially, because, oh, we're bringing in a, you know, an older guy. We're letting Olivier Vernon go and just – just speaking objectively, not even as a Dolphins fan, just as somebody who's looking at it from an NFL perspective, the deal that the Giants gave Olivier Vernon was ridiculously overhyped. That's that, that's like way, way, way too much for whatever Olivier Vernon is. I'm sorry. So I actually think we got a better player in Mario Williams, and I don't know if you agree with that, but what is your what are your thoughts on what happened with Mario Williams? Like you said, he wasn't a fit. Was there more to it than that? Was what about the rumors that he just really wasn't happy with Rex and wanted nothing to do with it? Yeah, I mean, let's let's face it. Uh, Mario is a pretty cut and dry guy. He wants to go up the field. He wants to rush the quarterback. And uh, in Rex's scheme, it's very complex. You're asked to drop back. You're asked to, uh, you know, jam a tight end, you know, gap control. Things that Mario Williams doesn't like doing. And let's let's face it, he's made a lot of money in this league. He's now in his 30s. You know, sometimes these guys get set in their ways where they just want to do one thing. And uh, that's proof. I mean, every week that Mario Williams was – you know, not happy with his performance. He was vo- he was very vocal about it. Um, as far as Olivia Vernon goes, uh, in comparison to Mario Williams and, and their deals, definitely I think the Dolphins got the better, cheaper deal. I'm not too happy, though, that the Dolphins didn't really think this through. This is an older player. Let's face it, Mario Williams, though I did say he might have another double-digit sack season, he's really on his last limb as far as a player goes. Um you see a lot of these pass rushers later on in their career, like Dwight Freeney, uh, guys like John Abraham. They're smaller, more athletic guys, Robert Mathis. Mario Williams is a big bull rushing type of guy, and he relies a lot on his size. But his explosiveness, uh, and maybe in Bill's hand, notice that he's, he's lacked that the last two seasons, really getting off the ball. A lot of those sacks that he got under Jim Schwartz were caused by Jerry Hughes being such a tyrant on the other side. He kind of did a clean-up sack. Um, but nonetheless, 
pass rushers get paid in this league. Olivia Vernon is a young, youthful pass rusher, and he got overpaid. And uh, they saw better value in getting Mario on a cheaper deal. And let's face it, uh, you know, next year if Mario doesn't perform for the Dolphins, they could cut their losses uh, without having to take the rest of that contract. So, you know, if you're a Dolphins fan, you shouldn't be upset with the move. Just know that you're not going to get the Mario Williams from 2006 when he was first drafted or from 2012 when the Bills first picked him up. He's a 30-year-old player who relies a lot on his strength and get-off, but that get-off has diminished. Where did I miss? Uh, we discussed some Mario Williams and some Rex Ryan. What happened to you? Uh, I lost internet, and uh, it just refuses to let my microphone back in. So uh, I don't know if I'm more ma- I don't know if I'm more mad at the program or the internet. Well, the so, show didn't die, right? So we're still good. Well, well if it's still on, yeah. Uh, okay. What did you talk about with Rex? I was actually going to bring up Rex. Essentially, we I asked him if uh, if Rex was gonna if they could go anywhere with Rex Ryan as the as their head coach, even with the whole mess that happened. Well, I mean, his brother Kyle last week said that he wasn't initially a, a big fan of Rex up until the the Bills hired him. So, I mean, I don't know if you already asked this question, but I mean, so when you hired Rex, Gary, what was your initial thought? Were you, I mean, were you stoked I, about I, it? I want- I want to clarify the record, and I appreciate you gentlemen for now asking me the question rather than my kid brother. <laughs> I always, I always oh. liked, I always liked Rex Ryan. I love that he got on the microphone when he first hired with, with the Jets, and he said, "Hey, I don't want to kiss Bill Bel. I'm not here to kiss Bill Belichick's ring." I always said, "Damn, I want to coach just like that." He was not afraid to stick his finger in someone's chest and call it like it is. Uh, now, the reason why I dislike Rex, because let's face it, for many years, Rex beat the crap out of the Bills when he was the Jets head coach. So that's my disdain for Rex. But personality-wise, I wanted a big eagle guy. For so many years, we had Chan Gailey and Dick Jerron, these dry uh, coaches. We finally got some buzz around the area. I mean, can you guys remember when the Bills recovered this much last season? I mean, with the exception of the Super Bowl runs in the 90s, I can't remember when the Bills had this much publicity. Probably Some, when they went to the throwback uniforms. And they were wearing those, and everyone was like, ooh, wow, those look nice. That's probably the last time I can remember. Yeah, well, that's that's sad if you're hanging your hat on that, if you're a Bills fan. <laughs> well, you'll forgive me if I'm a little bit skeptical about the whole thing, especially now that his little his his brother Rob is there. So it's like, oh, Lord. Well, it was, yeah. Uh, you know, ahead, tell us, tell us about the the Rob Ryan. Now Rob Ryan's in there. You've got the you've made it a family affair. What's your what are your first impressions of now that you've got the longer haired Ryan brother in the fold? You've got I the mean, mountain man. Is what he's got. <laughs> hey, listen to this. I, and I said this to a buddy of mine, a Bills fan. As long as we keep Rob Ryan for one year and then fire him, I'm cool with it because if you look at his if you look at his track record. Every first season he has with the team, whether it's Cleveland, Dallas, the Saints, he always produces the first year, and he produces a very good defense. Now, move on to year two, year three, it starts to diminish. Obviously, you saw the Saints. But the Saints have bigger issues than Rob Ryan in the defensive field. Um, You know, listen, we're all in on the Ryan buzz. And here's another good point about Rob being there. You know, Rex is such a big personality. 
And sometimes Rex needs to be put in check. And maybe his twin brothers, the guys say, hey, you know what, you need to calm down or you need to, you know, address this with this personnel guy. You know, uh, maybe it could be a benefit. I'm, I'm kind of playing it as it is. We'll see what happens. Uh, well, just speaking honestly, Rob Ryan doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to play mediator. Uh, you know what, though? You've got to see them in inter- interviews, how they interact with one another. They're, they're very much condescending of each other. They kind of humble each other in a way. I was uh, Behind closed doors, who knows what goes on. But um, I don't think it's going to hurt our team at this point. Let's uh, go ahead and flip the, the uh, discussion a little bit. I don't know if you guys touched upon this, but Gary, what are you looking for the Bills to do in the draft later this month? I, well, much like Rex Ryan in Rex, Rex Ryan fashion, they're going to go heavy on defense. And there's no doubt about that. And fortunately for this year's class, there's a lot of good defensive depth and quality. The offensive side of the ball, I, I worry about in the draft this year. But the defense side of the ball, there's a lot of players, especially in the defensive line, that we could go. And now with an aging Kyle Williams, I definitely expect them to take in the first or second round a defensive lineman and possibly a pass rusher. Okay. Uh, how would about you like um, me to give, would you like me to give me some names or? Uh, yeah, go. I mean, this is this is your time to go ahead and because uh, I mean we only know the preliminary stuff when it comes to the other teams in the AFC East. So I mean, any insight you can you can share with us on uh, the draft guys? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, let it. me tell you. Let me start off for stars real quick. I completely hate the first two rounds in the draft, and I hate them this year more than ever because there's really no separation. Once you get to pick 15 all the way through pick 50, the grades are pretty even, in my opinion, on a lot of these players. You're not going to get a guy that, like let's say, for example, this class was in last year's class. A lot of these guys would be second-round picks, in my opinion, who are, who are possibly being bogged up in the first round, especially 15 on up. So I'm not really happy. Like, I want Robert Kandice out of Ole Miss. Now, he's got character concerns. He, you know, his film, sometimes he doesn't show up. Now, I like him based on his athleticism and stuff he's flashed on film. But that doesn't give me a whole lot. There's another guy by the name of Noah Spence. To me, Noah Spence is not a good pass rusher. He's not explosive. He doesn't win with power. He's only 250 pounds. Doesn't have good length to him, but these are names that are being possibly linked as first-round picks and being linked to the Bills. Now, if these guys were both in the second round, I'd grab. But first round, I wouldn't. A name I really like, and I think it's all dependent on if the Bills get Percy Harvin back or not. Is Laquan Treadwell at Ole Miss? I think they need another wide receiver to complement Sammy Watkins. I don't think most people will disagree with that. What is it about Laquan Treadwell that you really like? He's a possession receiver. Obviously, Sammy could uh, stretch the field. I mean, you guys know more than ever. I mean, Brett Grimes got completely torched by Sammy Watkins in both their meetings. Um, yeah, but shh, don't let anybody hear you say that because then she's going to come after oh, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hey, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it just like I told my brother. He's another corner that's in his 30s, and that's a position where you age real fast, just like running back. So he's getting exposed. 
and he'll get exposed down in Tampa Bay. It's it's just a matter of time, you know. He, Darrell Revis is another one. He'll he, he's getting exposed as well this season. But um, yeah, I'm not afraid of her. Back to the point. Oh, uh, listen, she's 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 off her rocker. <laughs> Gary, what would you like us to put on your epitaph when she finds you? <laughs> Tell her to put, come see me. Oh yeah. I mean, she's. I mean, she's not going to do anything. She's just going to go ahead and uh, say some pretty vile things on Twitter, and then some people hey, will listen, laugh. Like I said, <laughs> I love that I'm getting it now in her uh, crosshairs. My boy Sammy tor- torched her husband. What can you do about it? Put on the film. That's you'll see. She tells well, us to. She... Yes. Never mind. Why are we talking about this? Because Miko. Ah, who knows? I mean it. This, um, these discussions veer off into strange territory. So I don't know if you guys covered this while I, I took my brief tobacco away from the show, but Bill's free agency, how do you feel about it thus far? I mean, did you like what the team did? Do you feel like you're a stronger team going into the season? Well, i tell you right now, all the players we've lost are very expendable, including Mario Williams. I mean, 19 tackles, five sacks. You know, Quentin Copel's another guy that you guys had last year. He had a season where he had 6.5 sacks. Mm-hmm. So all those players that we lost were very expendable. Um, I thought our main objective this year in free agency, I mean, we spent a lot last year, was to keep our left side of the line intact, and that would be Richie Incognito, the guy you're very familiar with, mm-hmm. and, left tackle, and left tackle Cordy Glenn. I thought if we keep both those guys, we won – right there and we did you know for the foreseeable future now Cordy Glenn has a huge number that we're carrying this year we gotta get him signed long term but for right now he's under the franchise tag so it's a win in my opinion I'm still mad that you guys have Mar- that you guys have Richie Incognito like <laughs> I, want, I, want I know him. I know hey listen the Dolphins, I think that's their number one concern is to churn up the interior of that line. Good old number 68 or 64 and out the build. Yeah, but, you know, see, uh, right, I'm, I'm, I'm back on the, the microphone. I feel much better. I, felt, I feel empowered now. I felt kind of out of place on the phone there. So um, That's when it'll cut you off again. Yeah, that yeah, no, this thing's being a dick. Um, okay, so I don't know if your brother warned you, but we do this kind of thing where it's like a lightning round where we just throw ridiculous questions at you. You can just give us a short answer if you want to go ahead and elaborate on it. I mean, it's your time. Say something. All right. Your... All right. Uh, we'll start off. Two years later, how do you feel about that trade-up for Sammy Watkins? Uh, hate it. But, but love it, too. I don't know. I love Sammy, but... Uh... You know, I hate mortgaging picks. The reason I ask that, and I and your answer is consistent with a lot of people I've talked to, in that they love Sammy Watkins, but they just they hated that move. So, yeah. right the, the only thing they could say, the only thing I could say that makes it better that look what Cleveland did with those picks. That's the only thing that that kind of makes me a little happy because those were just wasted picks. <laughs> that uh. Oh yeah, and, uh, well yeah, Justin Gilbert and uh, Johnny Manziel were their first round picks that year. So I mean, that's just that's yeah. bad for business. Uh, football. Uh, okay, the Rex vest or the Marv Levy sweater? Which one do you prefer? Ooh, 
Wow, I'd say this is probably the toughest question I've ever been asked. <laughs> Boom. I'm I'm going Marv Marv Levy sweater all the way. I should hope so. Um, my my no, fear is that Re- yeah that Rex will try to wear the Marv Levy sweater. I don't want that. Uh, Ooh, I, okay. I hope not. Let's talk. Nah, I don't want it. Uh, okay, let's. You can do this historically. You can do this right now. I don't know how long you've been a fan of the Bills. It sounds like it's been a long time. So the AFC East player you hate the most. Oh, I mean. <laughs> Well, if we're talking when I first got into watching football, now keep in mind I'm 28. I'd definitely say sure. Brian Cox if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be real. Oh, with the middle fingers, uh, that was a great game. I, it was. <laughs> you know, even when he went to the Jets, I still hated him. So uh, that was so um, that was ninety we, that was ninety three up in Orchard yeah. Park. That was like one of the few times that the Dolphins won in that place. Ugh. Yeah, it was. It was. Hey, listen, that was a that was a hell of a game. I remember watching clips of how many people threw. Uh, at the time, they allowed beer cans in it to be seated, and they were throwing a ton of them. Um, but if I had to give more recently uh, a player in the AFC, that would be Tom Brady. So you're speaking our language. And speaking uh, of, that's what we were talking about earlier too. Is Tom Brady? Uh, I'm glad I missed that conversation. Okay. Uh, so, better chin, Tom Brady or Giselle? Ooh, <laughs> what? They're both. They're both. Like, I, you could cut diamond with those things. Well, yeah, I, I hate to see what their kids look like. Uh, the crimson chin. <laughs> um, I'd say Brady. He's got the butt chin going, you know. So the double, you know, maybe the th- the three the D effect, you know. <laughs> I approve. Okay. Uh this this one's not not really that funny. The Better Bills uniform, 90s unis or the OJ era throwbacks. And I apologize for the OJ association, but I mean that was the era. Hey, well, if the glove does not fit, you must acquit. So, and I'm going to go with the OJ era. Though I I don't like the helmets. I don't like the the standing buffalo. How do you feel about the current uniforms? Love them. Okay, I was going to say, it's a little bit of a departure in that there's more white with them, and I feel like they, they play down the red a little bit. There's more blue involved. So, if you're, if you're into <laughs> the aesthetics. What did you think about the Christmas tree game? Well, i got to tell you guys, I was one of those colorblind people, so I, could, so I had a hard time viewing that game. That was uh, okay. Uh, no, I'm just I, teasing you. No, I thought that I thought those uniforms were horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not going away. Ah, uh, yes. Now everybody rush. gets to play. Um. Okay. Finish this sentence. The Bills will make the playoffs in 2016 if if the defense improves. Simple enough. Short and sweet. Okay. Yep. Short and sweet. All right. The um the Ryan brother you take in an eating contest. Well, that's fair. Since, uh, since hey, listen, since Rex Ryan got that lap band surgery, I don't know how much he can consume. I'm gonna go with Rob. I always liked the story about how um when Rex was in his heyday with the Jets, he loved Mexican food and they called it Rexican. Because I guess he would just go out and just destroy these restaurants. 
Hey, I mean, he earned some points with me there. I thought that was funny. Yeah, um, actually, you know, you got you got to understand. I, I'm from New Jersey, and he still has a house in Summit, New Jersey, which is about a half hour from where I live. And there's a place called the Red Cadillac, which he frequents a lot when he's here in New Jersey. So, and that's all Tex-Mex. So, I could t- attest to that. He's a big Tex-Mex fan. Tex Rex, if you will. Tex Rex, uh, I like it. Uh, I like it. Good, good. You can you can take that one. Uh, yeah, it's used. Yeah, it's yours. You can use it. Uh, all right. <laughs> this is this might be a little painful. The best Bills Super Bowl team. Wow. <sighs> you know, best Bills Super Bowl team. I have to go to 1991. You know, we we played the Giants. Uh, that team should have won. Um, the other games. Definitely, you know, when we lost by a significant margin. So I'm going to say that the original, the first Super Bowl team. That 90 team was pretty pretty dang good. Uh, yeah. The one player you absolutely do not want to draft. Like, if they take if they take this player, you're going to act like all those Jets fans when they used to be at Radio City and just start throwing stuff. Uh, man. I mean, I got quite a few. It depends what round, too. Round we're, one. We're, first round. Round, round one. I'll, I'll definitely be upset if they take a quarterback, but I don't think they will. So I'm going to say Leonard Floyd from Georgia. I would be tremendously upset if they took him. I think your brother said the same thing, too. So it's funny. So you guys yeah. both had this thing where uh, it, it's like Leonard Floyd's the plague and you guys are just trying to pass him off. Oh my um, God! Well, let, just like I said, put on the tape, and, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, he's a niche guy. I think he's someone where, like, if Miami's rolling a wide nine, I think it makes more sense. You better put your right. seatbelt on. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, the player you wish Buffalo had drafted, like the one who got away, the one that got away. Oh man. You know, I always go back to the 2009 draft because I thought that was probably one of the most depressing moments of my life when we took uh, Aaron Maven in the first round. (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) So uh, I would say Brian Arakpo I would wanted so bad that year. I actually was chanting his name, and then I remember me thoroughly crying once we took Aaron Maven. So you knew at that point that uh, all the stats that guy put up at Penn State were pretty much fool's gold? Oh uh, yeah, I knew. <laughs> I knew once I saw that pick, and I I saw I saw that they showed him chasing down the player, and then they showed Joe Pa. I said, you know what? I can't. I can't even look at the Penn State uniform anymore. Yeah, and there is that part of it. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll finish with this: better hair, Rob Ryan, or JP Losman? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Wow. You know, JT went through a few styles, but Rob's been pretty consistent throughout the years. I'm going to go Rob Ryan. I think uh, somebody, and it was a Dolphins fan, it was a site actually, and they used to call JP Lozman Opera Man. <laughs> I could see that. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, I have one question. And I'm, 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 I'm practically contractually obligated to ask. 
All right. Uh, Gary, are yeah. you have what did you see it? And if you did, what did you think about Batman vs Superman? Oh, unbelievable. What was the question? What was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> did you see or like Batman versus Superman? I did see it and I did like it. Um, I kind of was upset though that Doomsday didn't get a longer role in that movie. I thought that that was a huge part of the DC universe. And I'm not a I'm more of a Marvel guy, keep in mind, but they Who's, kind of rushed. Who's your favorite superhero, Gary? Which movie did you enjoy the most out of the whole uh, Marvel universe? Well, the most enjoyable movie is definitely for me, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, okay. But my favorite character, I was a huge I am Hulk fan growing up. Okay, so which, which Hulk would you go with? Are you going with Eric Bana, Edward Norton, or Mark Ruffalo? You see, I like the movie that came out in 2000. I like Aaron Baroner. I thought that movie was good. Uh, so I'd go with the original one that came out. And we're not ta- we're not talking about the Lou Fregno movies, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, just the, the uh, modern uh, Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Fregno. No, no, no. We're not asking you to talk about Bill Bixby or any of that. So no need. Um, uh, no, I gotta say real quick, guys. I, Deadpool is a, is a close second to Guardians of the Galaxy for me. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I felt like I needed a shower after that movie, but I loved it. <laughs> I'm also looking forward to. Uh, I think that new X Men coming up, Apocalypse. I think that movie looks looks pretty tight. That, um, that looks tight. But let me tell you something. I, I, you know, I'm a '90s guy. I grew up. That was my youth right there. Sure. I'm kind of sad they they didn't go with the Apocalypse. Apocalypse look from the 90s. I'm so used to that look of Apocalypse that, you know, to me, this this look doesn't really do it for me. Now, let me reverse the question on you guys. What was your favorite superhero movie that came out? Mm. Marvel or DC? Uh, definitely Marvel. All right, good. I'm a, I'm a Marvel guy. I don't. I can't speak for Lewis. Uh, Lewis seems to want to talk to everyone about Batman vs. Superman. So he is only say, I only I still am contractually obligated. It's only because keeps messaging me, getting in my thing. What do you think of Superman? I didn't see it yet, Oob. I'll get there. Trust me. So, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I've been a DC fan, really, and I'm sure I've got like 6,000 people at blah, 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 blah. You're not a Marvel guy? No, I prefer DC. Actually. I really love John Jones. I really liked the, the, the series. I thought that was awesome. But uh, I mean, as for movies, I mean, how many how many freaking DC movies were there? The original Superman video movie, horrible Batman can't move leather uh, movies. I suppose that if I had to pick one, I'd say just the Avengers. I suppose because that's, I haven't seen Avengers two. I have I have to go and um, get that. And I don't. I'm, I suppose I'm looking forward to Civil War because Spider-Man is making an appearance, so that's be something interesting. I finally got the fight to him. I think you're, Lewis, you're cutting out pretty bad right now. Um, uh, you mentioned the apocalypse from the '90s, so does that mean you're looking for the Juggernaut wearing like that ugly, like rust uniform too, with like the Absol- normal helmet? Absol- absolutely. I mean, come on, that's 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 my era, man. I'll tell you this right now. 
in my garage, I got an X-Men video game from the 90s, and I got Marvel vs. Capcom 2. And I, that's the juggernaut I grew up with. Come on, guys. Don't, Which, don't switch um, up my style. Was that the NES game from 94? Yes. I uh, no, it was actually made by Konami, I believe. It was 92 like, that came I, out. I, I th- oh, yeah. Uh, I have the uh, the one for Super Nintendo, which was 94. I think that's a Capcom game, if I'm not mistaken. But um, you could be like Beast. You could use Gambit. I think Cyclops is yeah. No, we're, no, we're huge actually, nerds on this show. No, but listen, man. You, if you looked at me, you probably couldn't tell, but I was a huge comic book geek back in the day. Yeah, you and, might be talking about... Oh, you have the Sega Genesis game. Is that it? No, 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 no. Oh. I have the actual arcade, make, arcade game. It's a, it's, a stand, okay. it's a standalone arcade. Remember Colossus? He would, like, roar, and then he would... I got it. Yeah, I remember skin. playing that game now. That was... um, That and... um, We had a, a local arcade. It was called... Uh, well, it used to be Aladdin's Castle, then it was called Time Out. And it's where, like, when Mortal Kombat 2 came out, you had to, like, stand in line... And um, I remember, like, I used to always, like, turn this one dude into a baby all the time, and he would he would upset him. So, um, but, no, I remember the game you're talking about. And I remember for Sega Genesis, the X-Men game that was out that was really good, too. But, yeah, I mean, like, for – because you're 28. I'm going to be 32 uh, next all week, right. which is kind of horrifying. We, but... Go ahead. We're, we're around the same boat. Yeah. I'd like to think I'm so. At, I'm actually gonna be I'm actually gonna be 29. I'm I'm holding now, but I'm gonna be 29 July. So we're we're closer than you think. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're able to you're willing to hitch your wagon to my age because I mean I'm sure as hell willing <laughs> to hitch it to yours. So yeah. I mean you're at, you're on the other side of of 30. So no, no, we talk about this stuff all the time. And we were talking to someone the other night, and Lewis brought up the Batman versus Superman, and my brother. I told you I'm obligated. Yeah, like my brother described it, and like he and I are usually pretty uh, compatible when it comes to like what movies we want to watch, if we're going to like them, so on and so forth. And he said he wasn't a big fan of it. He said he didn't like the plot, but he said the the fight scenes were outstanding. Those were his exact words. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. It was a it was a fun movie to watch. I really sometimes I, I invest too much in the storyline, but action wise, that that movie's top notch. Well, if I can convince my wife, maybe I'll go see it. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I got excited uh, when I heard. I got excited when I said Genesis, and then when I and then he said no, oh, and my heart broke. Just trying to throw it out there. My bad. Well, well Gary, it was a. I, okay, I real, quick, real, real quick. I didn't get to ask you guys. How do you feel about picking up three Bills players this offseason? Craig Urbic, Marquise Gray, and. Of course, Mario Williams. I didn't hear your take on those guys. As long as they can play, I don't care where they come from. Yeah, well, Irving true. might start for you guys. We might be able to start on that offensive line, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so agree we'll with that. I agree with that. What do you think of Craig Urbic, though? Journeyman. I mean, he doesn't. he's not a guy that will get you killed, but he doesn't offer much pop in the running game and He's some sometimes he's a liability in the passing game, but you know what? He's just a he, he's serviceable. That, I hate that word, but he's serviceable. But he's definitely better than uh, I think any I think it's anything you guys got on the roster, Dallas Thomas or out of Arizona State. Yeah, I think we have high hopes for Jameel Douglas. I still like Billy Turner. I think that um, the last the previous regime 
uh, was pretty much a dumpster fire when it came to the offensive line and its coaching. So we're hoping that those guys weren't completely ruined under like Philbin and company. So, I mean, we'll see, but I'd like to hold out hope for Turner and Douglas. I I mean, I like Pouncey, although, um, although he's still healthier than Marquise. I mean, he's still a thing. I mean, it seems like that guy is always banged up. Yeah. So, well, listen, I, I really like I really like the the pick up of Bushrod too, and switch him to guard. I think that's going to be tremendous for you guys. And I think if he could stay healthy and he get to his former self, I think that you guys have a decent guard. There's no way he could play on the outside of tackling more. His athleticism is diminished, but you know if you could keep him in between two players. I think he'll work out well for you guys. I certainly hope so. I like that. Yeah, I like that pick up too. Um, I thought he battled through some some injuries in Chicago and still held it up for the most part when he was able to stay healthy before they were using Charles Leno over on that side. So, I mean, we'll see. But as you mentioned, it's not like they can do much worse at certain spots. Yeah. So. No, I think you got is an upgrade, definitely. And I think the Dolphins are going to be a lot better. I think I like Adam Gase. I worry that he's a rookie head coach. He's a little wet behind the ears. But I think that, you know, two, three years down the line, I think he'll make a lot of noise down in Miami. I think you guys will be set to go. The only thing I don't like, is that you guys have probably one of the worst GMs in the business, and that's the used <laughs> car that's the used car salesman, Mike Tannenbaum. And let me tell you something, he'll be the Achilles heel of the Dolphins from years to come. Oh, man. <laughs> well, so far he's not doing too bad, so we're holding our breath. All right. Well, I pray for you guys. Any or any? He hasn't tried to sell me a Saturn yet, so. <laughs> I, you know, so, I bought an Oldsmobile off of him a couple of years ago, and let me tell you something, it doesn't run right. <laughs> I was going to say, is it still running? So uh, we've, we don't have much time left, so we're going to go ahead and All wrap right. things up a little bit, but we appreciate you coming on the show. And I think we're going to do um, like a probably the night before the draft, we'll do a show that Wednesday. So if you and Kyle want to come on, we'll do we'll do like sort of like a mock draft thing. You guys can pick for your respective teams. Sounds good. I'd love to come on and, uh, you know, I hope you guys will join us soon. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Kyle mentioned that and then, um, I didn't hear back from him. So yeah, I would like to get on that show at some point. You definitely will. And, uh, you guys ever come up to Jersey, you know where to find the, the arcade games at, right? And the red Cadillac. And the red Cadillac. That's right. We'll, we'll make a night out of it. Cool. Some tax racks. I look forward to it. Thanks for coming on Gary. We'll talk to you soon. All right, have a good one, guys. You too. Well, I just hung up on one of our uh, guys who was sitting in the queue. I think it was Dolphin Fan for Life. Uh, if that was you, uh, please call back. call back in. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, the board is a little bit wonky tonight. So that was a great interview, though. I wish we could have gotten uh, Kyle and Gary on the, on the show at the same time because I'd like to see how that dynamic plays out especially if you got one who's a Jets fan one that's a Bills fan so um oh asking you shall receive uh I do believe we've been delivered Dolphin fan for life what's going on uh nothing much uh, what's on your mind nothing much I just I've been thinking a lot about the off season and well people are getting exactly what they wanted in building for the draft so um I think we're just getting placeholders for now. It's just, uh, yeah. 
I don't doubt that at all, actually. I don't think a lot of these guys are going to be long-term options. I don't think you're bringing in Andre Branch and looking at that guy as someone who's going to rush the passer for the next six years for it for you. Now, I mean, like, he could end up being pretty good in the role he'll he'll play in Miami, and if that's the case, then, I mean, that's a pleasant surprise. But, I mean, if you got Mario Williams in there for $8 million a year, and, I mean, like, he's not a spring chicken. So, Cameron Wake, obviously not a spring chicken. So, I mean, like, you got all these guys in there who are a little bit older or maybe they're a little bit limited in terms of their skill set. So, it's like, what are you looking for? So, I think that you're bringing in these guys to sort of add to and perhaps even augment the talent that you already have in there. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about that. And I agree that I think a lot of these guys are placeholders. You can call them stop gaps. I mean, whatever. But I think that's that's what you're looking at right now, and the draft is where this team is really going to make it happen. Outside of the fact that, you know, they do already have some core players. You know, you got your Jarvis Landry and your Devontae Parker. You know, hopefully, uh, Ryan Tannehill is the guy under Adam Gase. Um, the offensive line, I mean, still needs some serious retooling. You've got Sue on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you got Rashad Jones. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of holes to fill there, but. Um, this is a good draft defensively. So, I mean, you can definitely make a dent in your, um, your goals going forward by drafting well um, in, in this one. And you got Jordan Phillips too. So. Yeah. I'm a big Jordan Phillips fan. I think Dolphins fan, fans kind of run hot and cold on that guy. I've talked to some people who really like him. I've talked to some people who think like he kind of sucks or, uh, you know, they're, they're not fans of the way that um, he played last year, which those kind of puzzles me a little bit. He's another one where I hope that the previous regime just didn't ruin him. You worry about these rookies, but I think that, I mean, he's hooked up with Sue. You could tell he's already got that, that nasty streak that rubbed off a little bit. We saw that later in the year. So I think that, I mean, he has the ability to put, and he's scheme uh, scheme versatile too. You know, I mean, if you want him to play that that one tech or that zero shade, I mean, he can do that for you. I mean, if you want to go ahead and, and roll um, that wide nine, then Sue and, and Phillips are ideal guys to have in the middle there. So, and if you're running a hybrid scheme, I mean, you could easily kick him over to the nose. I mean, a lot of teams would use Jordan Phillips as a nose tackle. So, options everywhere. Um, we got a couple minutes left. Uh, if you guys want to go ahead and give us a call, uh, 347-326-9461. It's kind of been a strange night. Uh, lost, lost power there for a second. I lost my internet altogether. So that's what took me off the air for about 10 minutes. I apologize for that. Lewis, thank you for keeping that going. No problem. I, uh, if you're talking about Tom Brady, then. I'm not too sorry I missed out on that part of it, but I'm I'm glad that Gary was able to to hop on and talk to us for a little bit. Gary's essentially telling me that eventually Father Time will catch Tom Brady, and all I'm thinking is that, dude, I've been hearing that for the past five years. I know that's always been the thing. We, I mean, like is ten years ago when that guy, you know, I, actually I think we're on the ten year anniversary of Tom Tom Brady losing his first playoff game, which was in Denver to Jake Plummer and the Broncos. So um, I remember at that point, and they're like, ah, yeah, now he's starting to tail off. Now you'll see 
Patriots aren't as good, so on and so forth. And granted, they've only won one Super Bowl since then. But I mean, like if that was the Dol- if you're talking about the Dolphins, and it's like they've only won one Super Bowl in ten years, man, I would take that. I would take that every day. So, I guess when they're when they're in it every year, it's easy to sit there and and criticize and and act cynical toward things like that. But the reality is that team wins every year. So, and and could have this year if not for Denver absolutely throwing it down defensively at home. And the reason they were home is because Miami beat New England in the last week of the season. And yes, I will keep reminding people of that. So, all right. Uh, Quick question. Sure. Quick question. Who do you think will be our biggest surprise pickup from the free agency this year? Hmm. I am going to go out on, well, let's see about I'm going to go out on a limb here. Actually, no pun intended. I think Andre Branch is going to be pretty good for what this team is asking him to do. Uh, you somebody, you, did you mean like you want somebody who we already signed or somebody we haven't signed yet? Somebody we've already signed. Oh. Oh man, I'm trying to think who all we already signed. You know what? I'm gonna go with Isa Abdul Kudus. I, I hope I didn't uh, say that wrong because there's a. I think the Dolphins are just trying their best to see how many creepy names they can come up with just so they can screw up the announcers. No, you're fine. I think it's like Kadus, Isa Abdul Kadus or something. You got it. And I actually think that that guy. Uh, when it's all said and done, is going to be a really good player for Miami. So I guess that is a good answer. I just I'm thinking more diamonds in the rough. I think that that guy has got a little bit of momentum. Whereas I'm thinking like a player we brought in, everyone's like, ah, oh, that guy sucks. And then it's like he he plays well in for Vance Joseph and the system that he's he's putting in place in Miami. So, but that's a great answer. Well, I kind of that's all I could think of right now. Like, and it's not like Isa Abdul Kudus has like already solidified himself as a great player, okay? It's he 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 still has some stuff. He still has some things to prove. Actually, I was getting ready to uh to roll this out, but um I forgot to mention we've got that that Finsider mock draft going on right now. So, I'll let everyone in on that cuz I think this will end up being something where uh there will be a lot of discussion going on. So, I got the email yesterday and it's a bunch of writers on the the Finsider uh, Matthew Kanata is one of them. Kevin's one of them. Duke, Duke's in there. Uh, uh, House is in there. Uh, Brian Natus, everyone knows him as Turtle. So, I mean, somebody created this really nice Google spreadsheet for us and then uh, put it out there, and they were all given picks. Like, House had the first pick, and I think, let's see, how many of them are? One, two, three, four, five, six. So there's eight of us. Uh, so I've got the fifth pick. So I've got Jacksonville, and then I looked down, and I was like, well, who's got the Miami pick? And I looked down, it's me. So I was like, ha, that's awesome. Especially because Matthew Kanata finished 12th. He's got New Orleans. So I was like, it sucks to be you. So, ah. yeah. So looking at this list, um, we're, the, our, we're only three players in. Um, How it's went with Laramie Tunsil is the first overall pick. No surprise there. Max had the number two pick. And he took Carson Wentz. And then uh, Duke had the number three pick, which is San Diego. And he traded 
with San Francisco. So Duke traded down to seventh overall and acquired San Francisco. So they swapped picks and he got San Francisco's second and third round pick for number three overall. That's pretty rich. So, um, so San Francisco moved up to number three and took Jared Goff. Pretty interesting. And also because I wonder if there's paranoia that they think Jared Goff would go to like the Cowboys or something. Cause I have no idea why else you'd want to trade up that high where I don't looking at all these other teams. I mean, Baltimore's not going to take him. I mean, and San Francisco trading up. So I don't know. I got to figure out who I'm going to take at five. And to be honest with you, I've had some people message me during this show asking me who I'm going to take for the dolphins. I don't know. I would like to trade down. So if anyone is in this mock draft is listening, if, uh, if people can get baby crazy over trading up to get a quarterback at number three overall, hey, my phone's on. Give me a call. Do you want Paxton Lynch? You want one of those guys? You better better trade with me. So we'll see, and I'll let you know. Um, a, lot, a lot of people are like, are you going to take Jack Conklin? No, probably not. Uh, I like him a lot. He's my favorite player in the draft, but I think that this is um, – this is some, I would take Ezekiel Elliott over him, I think just in terms of uh, bang for the buck in this mock draft. And I would consider linebackers like Raglan. Um, I wouldn't take Darren Lee. I think like Mel Kuyper had Darren Lee going to um, going to Miami at 13. That'd be a cool pick. Darren Lee's an awesome player, but I think that we're okay at that position. Um, whereas, like, I mean, we need a Reggie Raglan. We need a, we need a guard corners galore and a running back. So that's where we're at right now. I hope some people uh, hurry up here because you can wait up to 24 hours to put the pick in. That's kind of brutal. Um, I started messing it last night because they have a, they have a queue off to the side where you can put players you want to take at that position. So I just started putting in players who are felons. Uh, I put in like Michael Vick. (laughs) I think I put in Marcus Vick. Um, and I just put, and like, it was pretty tasteless, but it was late. And I just wanted to be a jerk. So I think I put like Travis Henry in there. And then in the next slot, I put in like Travis Henry's kids. Cause he's got like, what is it like <laughs> 10 with 11 women or 11 with 10 women, something insane. Um, who else is in there? I, uh, I gotta think about this one. Just, uh, some, some Greg Hardy, obviously, uh, the Cadillac of, uh, um, off the field concerns. So, they deleted them already, so I, I take it my joke didn't go over too well. But yeah, speaking of Cadillac, didn't didn't we have one that we took running back, or it used to be nicknamed Cadillac or something like that? Yeah, that was Cadillac Williams. He went to Tampa. He was Ronnie Brown's uh, running uh, backfield mate at Auburn. So that yeah, that 2005 draft where you had Ronnie Brown, which I loved Ronnie Brown by the way. I know a lot of people look back in that draft and they're like, why didn't the Dolphins take Aaron Rodgers? And I get that. He's a bad man. Yeah, he's a bad man. But uh, I loved Ronnie Brown. I loved him at Auburn. His workouts that off season were awesome. He went to the went to the combine and ran a 4.44, which I mean he was like six foot, 220 some pounds. I mean like he was a, he was a man. So he was awesome. Kalec Williams was a good back. I wasn't a big fan of Cedric Benson. And I remember watching NFL Network that spring, and they had a sort of ranking 
they were ranking the top running backs in that draft. And when they got to Cedric Benson, they were like, well, doesn't block much. Not really a guy you want in there on third down. Questionable with the football. The Bears will probably take him. And then the Bears did take them. I was like, oh, take him. I was like, oh, that's brutal. So, whereas Ronnie Brown was like the best, like the fastest back of the three, the best backfield blocker of the three, good receiver out of the backfield, could even throw the ball if he needed him to. I love that guy. And I, I'm sorry that he got hurt in that New in that New England game, like trying to like chase down that ball carrier. I think it was on an interception because I was a huge Ronnie Brown fan. I had the jersey. I had everything. So, I know that's just a position you can't really get attached to because running backs just pretty much get funneled through this league so quickly. But He was a man, pretty decent QB as well. Yeah. If you think about it. Just an awesome player. Yeah, with the, the Wildcat and whatnot when he was able to throw the ball. So, uh, anyway, I'm rambling a little bit. but So, that's what we've got going on now. I'll Next week, I'll share the details of that mock draft and when it's time for me to pick. I will get online and I will taunt everyone in this pool right now as I uh, get ready to do that. So <clears throat> I'm absolutely going to throw my weight around. In the meantime, I want to uh, say thanks to um, Gary Smith for coming on the show, talking to us. Uh, he'll be back. We're going to bring all the AFC East writers on this show uh, the night before the draft. That'll be that Wednesday, April 27th. We'll do a show. We'll do sort of like a, a draft roundup. We'll sit there. We'll make fun of Patriots, Bills, and Jets fans because they deserve it. Uh, aside from that, I want to thank uh, my usual oh, uh, speaking co-host. Of, wait one second. Real sure, quick. yeah. Speaking of which, did you see about the Patriots fans uh, suing the NFL and the Patriots to try and get the draft pick back? Oh, yeah. No. Emotional distress. Emotional That's distress. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Those people deserve everything they get. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm sorry I'm not sorry. So, oh, well, on that note, we'll go ahead and fold in this show because that's sickening. Uh, for my usual co-host, Lewis, uh, frequent contributor, uh, Chris, Dolphin fan for life, uh, thanks, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll be back next Thursday night for another episode of Insider Radio. Have a great weekend. See ya. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.